This is Iron Sports. We are so pleased today to have John Colasar, legendary Michigan football player, coming to talk to us about the Michigan football team. John, thanks for coming to Iron Sports. You must be on cloud nine after the big win in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, big one for the program. You know, Michigan has been on the short end of those uh, as of late, so it's good to see the team, you know, stay uh, true to their mission and persevere through some of the uh, mistakes. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, folks, when they, when college football, you get the three weeks off, and there's no way any team, and, you know, all of them have some jitters as well, really can't mimic the physicality, the speed of the game in those practices three weeks leading up. And so you saw some of that in that first quarter for both teams. Then they settled in. You started seeing the game and making the adjustments and uh, really one heck of a ball game uh, for both those programs. And the irony is I, I was kind of looking at this, you know, Alabama having that great history, Michigan having obviously their great history, and both are top two all-time wins in college football history. And ironically enough, that was the sixth meeting, and now there are three and three. So how fitting is that, that the top two all-time winningest programs are also three and three against each other? So, uh, And that stands the test of time. So great, great game for everybody watching. And obviously that, the next game following that you know, followed suit, but what a great night that was for college football. And also the fan bases, both Alabama and Michigan, not just for the victories, but having the most rabid fans, the most devoted fans. I mean, the average ticket price for this game that was you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away from their campuses to bring to the programs. Um, it's just tremendous to be out there. And, of course, you know, so respectful of the other fans. I mean, they have you know, great tailgate, tailgates at both places. And, and when they play at the Rose Bowl, it was just awesome, the atmosphere, everything about it. Yeah, no question. You know, I have a special uh... – relationship with the Rose Bowl and Michigan and uh, ironically Alabama, you know, in a couple of instances. And Nick, Nick Saban uh, included me out of high school when he was at Michigan State. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, for me at least, uh, college football in Michigan has been a part of my family for, uh, you know, over, well, Shad played there in 1950. So, so 70 years of uh, Colasar and Michigan football, and uh, it's just a really great experience. And, and what a great thing we, we created. Obviously, it's going to some major changes, and uh, which rightfully so, as, as anything does. Um, I think hopefully they'll do it right and clean up some of these things that we're seeing. But uh, nonetheless, I agree with you, Ira. This uh, was a great experience for anybody, even if you're not a football fan, just to see the human drama of athletic competition, you know, at the highest level. And, and you know, as, as much as NFL is, 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 is there, the next level for these kids that at that point, you know, they're competing against each other. And I always kind of say that really it is one of the only places that you'll find that you are at the peak physically, mentally, and emotionally and, and performing and having to control some of those things to, to do your job and to execute those plays and, and to deal with the pressures of the situation of not just 100,000 people looking at you, but what, the 30 million watching and then the 50 million afterwards talking about it. So <laughs> I applaud, applaud those kids. You know, not everybody can do it. A very small percentage get the opportunity to do it, and uh, they'll remember that the rest of their lives. Well, you have a special relationship with Coach Harbaugh. He was your teammate in 19, from in 85 at least. You played from 85 to 88 and were the All-Big Ten in 88. In 85, you caught a 77-yard touchdown pass from Harbaugh to beat Ohio State. That makes you a legend in, you know, for the, as a Wolverine. But when you were playing with Jim, what did you see about you know, as a teammate that would lead you to believe he would be this uh, great coach? 
Well, you know, I was a freshman, you know, snot node, wet, wet behind the ear. You know, I didn't have to say anything. I just had to do my job. And, and I actually came in as a running back uh, back in those days. That's what they did. If you were a good player, you're a running back, you know, a little bit different nowadays. Uh, but, yeah, I came in there, and uh, I think part of the reason why I played early was because I blocked. And Michigan was primarily, you know, running football. And these are, this is coming out of the era of the wishbone, the full house backfield. And so in those days, we had, we had actually every offense. We had a three-receiver set. We had four-receiver set. We had, we had eye formation, full house back. We had basically every uh, idea of, of offensive theory back in the day. But primarily one of the reasons why Bo put me out there and made me switch position, I was fast, but I also was physical and I can block because I came out of the running back uh, position. And I think, you know, throughout the first half of that freshman year, uh, I got an opportunity to play. We had an injury and I got in there real early and uh, blocked. And so I tell people, you know, yeah, I was a wide blocker at the University of Michigan and, and people get that. And I think even to this day, any kid that I see that plays, wide receiver for us. That's the, that's the guys you got to go out there and block. You know, every run that Blake Corm has over 15, 20 yards can be a contributed to downfield blocking. And it's such a big play. And it helps you as a receiver because you don't know if you're coming off the ball full head of steam, you're going to run by the guy or you're going to knock him in the mouth. I think it's very important for the position that they can maintain that physicality. But as far as Jim's concerned, you know, that, you know, he's a fourth year senior. So back in those days, senior leadership was real important. And, uh, you know, kids go a little early these days, but, but what a great leader, not just him. We have guys like Clay Miller and, and, and Bob Pepicino and, uh, you know, Bob Perryman. Uh, some of these guys that played, uh, Mike Mallory, who's on staff now. Uh, these guys are fourth, fifth year seniors and they're great leadership to watch and basically kind of taught you how to play the ball just by their examples. And, I got a chance to play in the league for a couple of years and, uh, you know, got a chance to catch some balls from different quarterbacks over the years. And uh, the thing about Jim Harbaugh for me is that he's a winner and he is going to do the things and he's going to put forth the effort. And coming out of college, you know, he was the fastest, didn't have the strongest arm, but still gets drafted in the first round. But I always have confidence. I would take Jim Harbaugh as my quarterback anytime, anywhere, any day, in a game <laughs> where it's competitive. And that's, that's not, that's not just, giving him the idea of uh, he's that, this, or this. But the thing, too, that he has to, to remember, we all love to have him back at Michigan because he's a Michigan guy, Michigan man, right? And, but he also has Mike Dicka in him and Lindy Asante, George Seifert, Ted Marchabroda at Indianapolis. And Ted Marchabroda was my coach at Buffalo. And he was you know, something else as far as the, the science of fo- football in general. So he has 15 years of NFL experience in that mind of his. So he really knows different games, different theories, different ways to win games. He's probably been part of the greatest wins and the greatest losses on either side. And so, you know, from that perspective, that, that experience goes a long way when leading the team. You know, the pressure for Harbaugh this year is a little un- is unlike a lot of teams. Now, I, there's been coaches that have health issues that have had to step away from the team. But to have the two suspensions and the team still stay undefeated, still stay dominant, to have the assistant coaches and the captain lead the team. It's pretty impressive that, you know, the, the idea is, do you really need Harbaugh? Well, you, you know, you know, it shows the coach's greatness that the team can still operate when the coach isn't there. Yeah, and that's a testament to the philosophy of, of, you know, we like to say Michigan and, and bringing that in, that idea, and not say it's unique to Michigan. I don't think, you know, I believe Alabama probably do the same thing. Uh, some of these other places with these great coaches. 
that lend that self because it's not just about winning football games, although that's how they're measured and that's how they're looked at and that's how people want. But if they do it the right way and they're teaching these kids through the win, just looking at doing their job, executing play by play and taking that to heart. And your seniors, the veterans, and they might not be the guys that you see that cross the goal line. And typically that's not the case. They're going to be the other guys. You know, I think Carson Barnhart is a, was a journeyman offensive lineman, and he was the sixth offensive lineman throughout the year, and then Zach Zinter goes down. Now he's in as a starter, and, and he made a nice pulling, uh, he was pulling guard on that, on that overtime play and, and a nice block on the safety to spring Blake Horm in. And, but he's been there for five years, and I think somebody was cracking on the program because we had a lot of old guys on the team. Well, that's what you want. That's what college football is, and sometimes that maturity takes – place of, of, of athleticism and, and you're going to minimize some mistakes and you're going to have that, that stoic approach. So I think that has benefited Michigan. These guys have been through a couple of CFTs already, you know, learned their lessons. They weren't ready in two years ago for sure, but they got there. They got learned experience. The Georgia team, Kirby Smart, put his team together. Now Kirby is trained with a Nick Saban, right? So we start looking at coaching trees and the philosophies and things like that, and you'll see a lot of similarities. Um, I like to say I always say this too, there's a swath of land between, you know, Chicago and State College, Pennsylvania, and it's the I-80 turnpike. And so it goes right through Canton, Ohio, and you're 90 miles north and south, Cleveland, Columbus, you throw Cincinnati, throw Detroit in there, you got South Bend, Morgantown, you got Pittsburgh, all of the great coaches, all of the great players, all the great people that were born, played, coached, lived in that area have created some lineage. And if you look at the SEC, without Nick Saban, without Urban Meyer, without Les Miles, how many, how many national titles they have last 20 years? So right. there's an aspect to that high up that style of football and how you get it, how you interact with the folks that, that learn from it makes a difference. And I think you have some kids on the Michigan team that, that are part of that, certainly. And then, you know, as I mentioned, Mike Mallory's on the staff, Doug Mallory's on the staff. There are sons of Bill Mallory who coach with soul at Miami of Ohio, and the list goes on and on, the similarities in how these stuff works with these teams. And, uh, and it, plays in, it plays in there, you see it. And then not to say that the West Coast offense doesn't win a few, not to say that Chip Kelly's stuff does some stuff, but I think over the test of time, you have this basic fundamental football philosophy, and that's leadership, senior leadership, teamwork, hard work, perseverance, all those good things we like to talk about. And then an embodiment of that for Michigan is Blake Corum, um, his performance, again, against Alabama was tremendous. It seemed like, you know, willing in overtime that was not going to be stopped, was going to score that touchdown. And even the, on the fourth down play, when it was like down to that final play or the game was going to be over, he was able to catch the pass and, and, and break some tackles. It's just it, it, that, you know, the fire. It was the first time, you know, I was on the, real close to the field, and I saw his size. I mean, he's not that big a guy in terms of height, but in terms of his size and his build, it's just it's, it's like – almost impossible to tackle him, but you just see the fire in his face. And uh, that, I think, is, you know, an embodiment of the entire Wolverine program. Yeah, toughness. And, not, again, not to say the other team has it, but, you know, him in particular, you know, that play you mentioned, the fourth and two play, that was, to me, I agree, I think that was the biggest play of the game because that they were on, what, on the 30-yard line or something, and uh, the fourth and two, and that's, you know, sometimes that pass, as easy as it is as it may look, is one of the hardest passes to catch because some of you have a tendency to take your eye off it and look upfield, right? We always see that uh, receivers take their eye off the ball and hits them in the chest and bounces. 
So that was a tremendous play for him and to, to give a new lease of life, to new set of downs. But yeah, throughout his career, you know, he had to go through some adversity last year when he hurt his knee and some off season. And I think that builds the character and resolve as well. Um, and, you know, he's just one tough kid. The, uh, you know, his stats are, you know, we had Jamie Morris when I played and Jamie was all a five, seven, you know, 180 pounds, dripping wet, but one of the toughest kids on the team. And, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you kind of kind of build through that, and that's part of that adversity, part of that experience. But uh, he certainly has uh, made the plays at the right time. And uh, but all credit credit is due our own line, right? So those guys in the trenches, and I think you see it all the time when you know our D line as well last week or last uh, Monday, you know, doing the doing the job. And it's good that some some of our, our purists love it, right? You don't you don't want to throw forty nine points on the on the four hundred yards passing. Yeah, that's all exciting for the fans. But see these guys battle, and it's a war, and it's in the trenches. And, you, and if you really focus on watching O line D line play, and you really start getting appreciation for it. And uh, without those guys, you know, Michigan wouldn't be where they are. Well, the game is going to start in the hour, which we're doing the shows at seven. We taped this show last week, but. J.J. McCarthy, uh, I saw him two years ago in Georgia, was sharing the duties of Cade McNamara in terms of the quarterback. Yesterday, last year against TCU, just an uneven open start of that game, never really recovered, or they were too far down. And then against Alabama, the game, you know, first pass, almost intercepted, it was a little shaky at the beginning, but I think that experience helped as he settled down into the game, was able to lead the Wolverines on that great drive at the end of the game to, 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 take, the, to take the lead to tie, really. Yeah, he, uh, you know, I think, again, I think with Harbaugh as quarterback, and this is what Bo's rules, there's two rules of being a quarterback, and get us in the right play and don't turn the ball over, right? <laughs> and that's pretty – now we're asking quarterbacks to do everything, and, and I think a little bit unfair. So you look at, you know, I think you look at the Heisman Trophy, and, you know, I, I you know, disappointed. It's all about statistics, stuff like that, but if you truly look at a quarterback play – and how uh, balanced they need to be to be successful. And, and take nothing away from Kate McNamara. Kate McNamara, when he took Michigan to, to that game, you know, he wasn't fleet on foot for sure. But he got him in the right play, didn't turn the ball over, and those are the first two things you need to do as a quarterback to, to you know, have, a, have a chance to win. Now, can you make a play? Can you scramble out of the quarterback? Can you scramble out of the pocket? Those are things that, you know, lead to that, you know, uh, Jaden Davis, right? It's an Heisman Trophy. You're winning your feet. But again, these are things. So, you know, I think JJ was considered or in the running up to the Penn State game, and all of a sudden he goes seven to nine or something like that, and he just got plummeted. Well, that seven to nine was, first of all, whatever percent that is, right? He had a QB rating of X, right? Didn't turn the ball over, and we had to adjust our offense to combat Penn State's edge rushers, which probably both those kids might go in the first round this year. And so we put the pool house line in the heavy package and ran 32 times. It wasn't a, uh, anything against J.J. McCarthy's ability. And he might have had a bad wheel, he had an ankle or something like that, so maybe he couldn't be as mobile. But that was the team. And I think if people follow Michigan, we have this model that Bo mentioned in 1982, and there's a clip on YouTube, you can watch it. You know, it's the team, the team, the team. And right, so right, what exactly. we do, more the team and unselfish, and that's, and you know, in this day in NIL, becomes even more important because sometimes the NIL will bring in some toxicity to a program if they lose that 
that that uh, idea of the team. And so JJ has been that guy. He's been uh, has has performed when he needed to. You know, certainly there are going to be mistakes. You know, that that position is hard as it is. And you know, I think you know anyone who's played, like I mentioned early, that you can't prepare and be off for three weeks for the speed, the physicality, and the emotion of that game. So, uh, you know, that first play, yeah, I think he probably went through it out of bounds, but maybe he didn't anticipate the athleticism of that kid, right? So it wasn't, you know, making the right choice, making the right decision, just didn't get high enough, right? But so from that perspective, you know, get settled in, get that first quarter jitters out of the way, because, you know, anybody had adrenaline rush knows you have to kind of lose a little bit of muscle control, right? So you get a little excited, you get a little fired up, your heart's racing 100 mile an hour. And uh, once you settle in, though, then, then, you're, then you're all into it and doing the things that, that your practice has prepared you for. So I thought he did a real nice job of maintaining the composure on that last drive. Well, we've been talking to John Colasar, Michigan Wolverine legend, and with a son on the team right now playing, so that's exciting. But thanks a lot, John, for coming on. I know the game's about to start, and uh, we'll see what happens. But it'll be great, and it's great to be giving some of that perspective of the Michigan tradition uh, that you embody in terms of coming on Iron Sports. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah, and uh, go blue. Go blue. Okay.